Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. We have here both a listener special and a cool guest special because sitting with Mark and I is Trenton Brenny, who is joining us on the road here at a, a cool event from as an honorary Team Vortex member and now joining us on the podcast. He frequently listens to the podcast. He knows his stuff like the back of his hand. I mean, we've been seeing him talk to people about Vortex Optics all week. I think he probably... I think you probably might even know more than we do. I think there's a really high likelihood of that. Right. And by likelihood, I mean yes. Yeah. And our cool guest today is Cheyenne Dalton, who's joined us. Actually, Cheyenne, you know, you were one of the first podcasts that we ever recorded. I thought so. That's true. That's and cool. And it was at the last NRA annual meeting show, whatever they call it. And it was in the back closet of our <laughs> booth. Yep. Mark wasn't even there because he was so darn busy. Yeah, anyway, well, I missed it. We followed Mark's terrible direction skills to get to this spot that's a little bit more spacious than the back closet. But anyway, we have Cheyenne back one more time. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Which is excellent. So, Trent, though you're being a new guest, we should have you introduce yourself to the Vortex Nation. So uh, tell us who you are, a little bit about yourself, fun facts, whatever you got. Well, I'm Trent. Worked in... Worn a lot of different hats, worked in retail, work in the natural resources field currently, actually currently work in both. Been shooting for a while, uh, mostly on the hunting side of things, just getting into somewhat competitive shooting. Have a lot of gear, not really good at anything in particular, um, <laughs> but got a lot of stuff. So that's how I met a lot of people from Vortex and keep on moving, trying to get better and shooting faster. Stuff is a good place to start. You, interestingly, know more about water than anybody I have ever met. Well, I don't know if it's more about water than things going into water. Oh, okay, so it's the things going into water. Yeah, and what water can do. So my job is basically to keep people and, and animal poo out of the water. That's my that's my life job. Yeah, wow. Keeping clean water clean for the residents of the Midwest. That's what I do. That's a good slogan. It's a big job. Yep. <laughs> Somebody's, Somebody's got to do, do it. it. Yep. yep. Somebody does. But you know a lot about fish, too. We were talking about that on the way down here and all kinds of stuff. Man, fish, water, habitat. Yeah, uh, habitat restoration, waterfowl research. That's kind of my uh, background to my background. Public land uh, easements, things like that. I've worked at the state, local, and, and uh, I guess federal levels. And international in Australia. A little bit of, of international work, some duck work over there and some wetland work Yeah, while I was studying abroad. How about that, man? Uh, on our drive down, as we were peeling back the layers of Trent, whom I've found is quite the onion. Quite the onion. Also very unassuming in the way that he uh, oh, presents gosh. it. You'd never uh, know. It's no big deal. I've only worked in like 42 of the 50 states in Australia. And well, they're not I'm that only, many states. Only but. like still under 30. Trent could, fi- Trent could find a, a five-pound gold nugget and say, like, oh, I mean, I found a rock. I mean, time. that's all right, but who hasn't seen one of these, right? <laughs> <laughs> so where I was going with that, Jim, though, is I have a feeling, I'm, I'm foreshadowing here, but I was thinking about, like, 12 different other podcasts on the way down that I found, like, just, like, these subjects fascinating to explore on a deeper level. Right. So I think we should cover some of them down the road. I yeah. think we will. So in addition, I also feel like, 
uh, Trent being unassuming as he is, as we talked to Cheyenne to about here's some rimfire stuff and some competitive rimfire and all that kind of stuff. Uh, chances are he may know a thing or two as well because it sounded like he almost just bought a $3,000 rimfire pistol. Well, it's not very often you get to handle a Pardini in the U.S., so it, it got a little overwhelmed. Um, <laughs> let's just say that, but when I tried the trigger, I'm like, eh, it's it's okay. Uh, you know, I really like my Valkortsen, so. Yeah. yeah. Those are yeah. nice. I gotta say. <laughs> you would know, right, Cheyenne? Yeah, I would. So Oh gosh, even more crossover. Speaking <laughs> of <laughs> speaking of rimfires and awesome stuff like that, that that was kind of the topic we discussed talking to Cheyenne about because uh Cheyenne, you have quite an extensive experience in shooting rim fires. I assume both I assume recreationally and all that kind of good stuff, but also competitively. Yes. Yeah. Um I've been shooting um since I was twelve, I'm eighteen now, so a few years, you know, competitively. Um, I really enjoyed my time. I started with Rimfire Challenge, though. I started shooting in the limited division, so I shot iron sights on both my pistol and my rifle, and I started with just a Ruger 1022 and a Ruger 2245. So I shot those for a couple of years. I actually won a world championship with my limited guns, just... They were just from Walmart, you know, straight out of the box. So. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, hold on. <laughs> back it up, back it up. Hold on. So you go out and you get your just Walmart... 1022 yeah. and 2245. Mm-hmm. And you went and won a world champion. I won, yeah, the ladies' title. Now, the- how did, <laughs> when you do world, so world rimfire, how, what's the process of that? Did you shoot a match like at, locally in Missouri and then all of a sudden you went to like, I don't know, where do you go from there? Where's worlds at? So the world's rimfire championship actually moves around every year. Um, it's been in Alabama a couple of years. It was actually in Missouri this past year. Oh, cool. Um, you can actually just enter it. You just pay the match fee and you can go shoot it. But it's a fun match. Um, Rimfire's kind of changed a little bit in their stage designs. It's a little more challenging, which is kind of fun for me because uh, I've been doing this a while. So to change it up is nice. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine you've grown as a shooter since. Yeah. I mean, since you won the Worlds. Sounds like your first year out. but. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I have quite a bit. I've won it, the ladies limited title a couple of times since then as well. So, and I also shoot for Volkorts and Firearms now with, yeah. the, with the custom 22s. Has that awesome. been an upgrade? Yeah, definitely. Those pistols and rifles are so nice. But I love my Volkorts and Scorpion, my pistol, probably the most. Do you? Yeah, it's awesome. Man, those things are slick. <laughs> yeah. So, gosh, I feel like the world of Rimfire is so... It doesn't get talked about enough for how awesome it is, for how many people do it, for how much, like, you know, the fact that there even is a world Rimfire... Uh, how what is like what is when you're in the competitive world of rimfire shooting? Is it primary is it a rifle and a pistol? Mm-hmm. Yep. What is that? What do the stages look like? What kind of matches are you are you getting yourself into? Distances like how are the right how are the firearms used? Do you do you switch between the the firearms in the same stage sometimes like a three gun match or right? No. So usually each stage um, there are it depends on the match. There could be between 10 and 14 stages and usually like half of the stages will be shot with a rifle and half of them will be shot with pistol. So the stages usually consist of five to seven steel targets. The closest they'll usually be is seven yards and I mean anywhere out to like 25 yards or so. Mm. Um, And you know the game of rimfire is speed. You want to be able to just shoot the plates as fast as you can. So I definitely, I agree with you. I don't think it's talked about enough because I think it's also a great sport to start with and to introduce new shooters and kids Mm -hmm. into because it's, to me, it's a fairly simple game. Like I started with the Walmart Ruger, you know, 1022. Inexpensive. Inexpensive. There's not much gear needed. So I think that's a great place to start out. 
Yeah, it really sounds like it. I mean, as you talk about it, now you start you started out when you were 12. Was that like the first competitive stuff that you got into or were you doing other stuff before that as far as shooting goes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so competitively that's when I started, but I've grown up on a pretty large farm. And so I've been shooting, you know, ever since I was about five or six and hunting too. Yeah, good stuff. Fantastic. What do you guys farm? Uh, we grow crops. We grow corn, soybeans, wheat, alfalfa. We have cows. So, yeah. Another layer to shine <laughs> on. Another layer. Now, see, Mark, you, too, could go and shoot rimfire competitions with your 1022. This is true. I have one. The one that you missed that squirrel with. Yeah, the <laughs> deluxe sporter model. Need I remind you? I also could, realistically. I mean, you I, didn't I need should also to, be speaking Jim, actually, you, didn't need, you didn't need to remind me of that, but thank you, though. <laughs> How big are the targets? Are they pretty squirrel-sized? Yeah, I mean, I could use the practice. Yeah, I think you could probably hit the steel target there, a bit bigger than a squirrel. Okay. So, yeah. If you shoot yeah. rimfire silhouettes, some of the targets are steel squirrels. Yeah. This Very, is good to know. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So the, you said the name of the game with that part, particular form of do they just call it like rimfire? Rimfire challenge. Rimfire think, challenge. Yeah. Okay. So you've been doing some of that, and that that the name of the game is speed. Now you've also been doing some. If I remember correctly, some precision rimfire mm. stuff? Or no, have you gotten I haven't, into that I haven't yet? done that yet. No? I hope so. Someday. What are your thoughts on it? Is that, are you, do you plan to do that one of these days? Yeah, I really want to. You know, I have a gun in the works actually for that right now. Oh, shoot. Do we just... Do we, is this like a semi-spoiler alert? Is it a spoiler? Or? No, it's, it's going to be a Volkortsen Summit. Yeah, I'm going to have one of your super awesome scopes on top of it. Very so, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Explain uh, the Summit. Is it a bolt action? Or is it a semi Yeah, it's a bolt action, but it's the toggle switch. Toggle switch? Yeah. How so you, you can use your thumb. Instead of, like, taking your hand completely Trent's off the gun. Trent's nodding his head. He's, he's yeah. familiar. He should explain it. Uh, so what everyone would know the toggle action from is from biathlon shooting. Mm-hmm. The super, like the Olympic biathletes, that's a toggle action. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, so that's probably... Uh, so well, this is like the only American made manufacturer of a toggle action, probably. So like in a twenty two. Mm-hmm. Some people go all gaga and drooly mouthed over, you know, the old Swiss K thirty eight straight pole. This is Dif- like different. This is like that on another level for rimfire. Yeah. And usually you'd have to go to like a, a German or a Swiss made uh, yeah. rifle to get the same deal. So you're talking two, three thousand dollars plus maybe importing and then trying to find someone who would have it. Oh, so yeah. now you can have one that's made in Iowa. How about that? Yeah. How about that? That's and cool. you just you just, you do it with your thumb? Yeah. Super yeah. fast. This is incredible. Mark, Mark, am I the only person who's like never <laughs> seen this before? No, I'm like... completely unfamiliar, Jim. <laughs> uh, so and you're talking toggle. So is it a is, it's a left right motion? It's a forward and back motion. Forward back you motion. Just flick it with your two fingers. Yeah. Fast. Super fast. Don't have to take your eye off of anything. Super fast and. Sp- Hunting with this would also be good. Squirrel hunting. Absolutely. Can you imagine? I just picture this grove of squirrels. Just just a grove of them. <laughs> I don't know why it has to be a grove. And an now, you awesome could suppressor horrible. Yes. Yeah. You know, you could just use a 1022, I suppose, as well, or some kind of semi-audible quartz and kind of, you know, awesome deal. But you could, you could, you could use a, a you toggle could, action. I think they'd both work dandy. 
Now, do you, as far as those precision ones go, you know, precision rim fire and stuff, mm-hmm. do you know what that kind of a match looks like? Does that, how so does that lay I'm out? I'm pretty unfamiliar with okay. those. Does Trent know? He seems to know everything. Some like of the NRL. NRL matches you'll find targets at 25, 50, and out to 100 yards. The cool thing about the rim fire matches is you could basically buy a little kit, and it's super cheap. So if someone wants to set it up at the range, I mean, the hardest things you're going to find is maybe a tank trap they added, but otherwise you're shooting off chairs, tires, ladders, really simple things that most ranges can can do it's a lot kind of like a like a prs right but with a, a lot less specific barricades and things so it's a little more inclusive than a prs match hmm. and they have a, a couple different categories i don't know what the weight limits are on that i haven't really shot one myself but i've been looking into it but very simple to set up and get into so that's what the draw is and of course spending you don't even have to spend really much money at all bring your 1022 that's got a scope on it and have some fun. Oh, you can do semi-auto as well? Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. And they don't, from what I've seen in many of the matches, they don't separate between bolt guns and semi-autos. It's uh, a weight difference. Hmm. Okay. Gotcha. In classes. Interesting. Gotcha. Yeah, you talk about, you know, a sport being welcoming in so many ways and this rimfire stuff. They like said the barrier to entry with cost, mm-hmm. you know, not super significant in the mm-hmm. grand scheme. Being able to practice for it, you know, ammunition is cheap. Yeah. You know, comparatively. Well, and I think, like, the like you can start with the cheaper guns. Yeah. And the things with those is there's all kinds of different parts you can put on afterwards to upgrade them if you want. You know? Right, yeah. You can, I mean, like, the 1022 is kind of like the AR-15 of, yeah. of rim fires or whatever. You know, you can slap on new barrels, stocks, mm-hmm. all that kind yep. of stuff and, and really change the character of the rifle. So what do you think, like, you start again. I, I've reiterated this probably too many times. You started out when you were twelve. Mm-hmm. Now, when you were twelve, were there a bunch of other people competing that were your age as well, or were like, like, are there primarily young folk in Rimfire, or are there a bunch of adults in Rimfire too? And how does that get split up? Are there, I assume, maybe different divisions by age, or are you competing with everybody? Or right. So, I mean, yes, everyone is competing together, but there are different divisions. There's like junior, youth, um, senior, super senior. There's women's. So when I first started, there were quite a few kids shooting it. Mm. Um, but, you know, as I got a little older, more and more started getting into it. But more than that, there's a lot of families that actually shoot it together. They'll go out there and some of them will even share guns. But it's super cool to watch because, you know, like I said, I think it's a great family sport because everybody can do it. You're just standing there shooting the targets. It's not super demanding, like three gun. Yeah. Everyone everyone can shoot rimfire. So, yeah, but it's funny now that I'm older and, you know, some of my friends are older now to see all the younger kids that have gotten into it. And, like, there's, there's like, a new group of kids that we used to be. The new oh, group yeah, of kids, yeah. but now there's a new one. So that's Yeah, cool. all these ankle biters running around. Or... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looking up to you yeah. now. Yeah, I guess so. That's got to be pretty sweet. It is. And so now, actually, you brought up, too, the fact that you, last year when we talked to you, you were probably still in the junior league. Right, because you're yeah. 17, and yeah. now that you're 18, you've probably moved up into the, just, I would assume that, yeah. just regular yeah, or just whatever. Regular. They just call it regular. <laughs> cool. Do you think that that, as far, like, did that set you up for a lot of success in your three-gun kind of career and, and other competitive shooting sports as well, doing this rimfire challenge? and So, you know, I've always shot iron sights. Pretty much. Um, I switched to open later on in Rimfire, but I think starting with the iron sights helped me, you know, for like shooting USPSA and just the pistol aspect of three gun. Mm, and getting used to lining yeah, up sights. That's what I'd recommend if, if you're 
child like eventually wants to do three gun is starting with rimfire, you know, getting all the basic like safety stuff and, you know, how to hold the pistol and how to shoot a rifle and all that stuff down. And I think it's going to make a transition much easier later mm-hmm. on. Yeah. So you're saying start out your child with a Razor Gen 2. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Get them used to <laughs> using optics. Yes. Yeah, sure. I think that's I think that's what I gathered. I heard something in there about irons, but I'm not sure what that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just think it's good to I'm, start I'm with irons and then it I is. then I open so much fun, mm-hmm. you know, cuz you can go fast. I mean, I, you can go fast and limited too, but Right. Open, you know. That's there, fun. There is something to be said about using irons. Yeah. That's one thing that I feel like I didn't do enough when I started shooting. Yeah. Probably maybe on account of the fact that I, this, you know, <laughs> it's just kind of like it's just vortex. You were born into it. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of born into it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Just, you were, you if were, I said irons around the house, I got like, you know, timeout. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it, it is, really, this, is this made out of iron? Close enough. You get a timeout. <laughs> yeah. You're out. But it, People who have shot irons primarily have a lot of experience behind irons. I've noticed there's just this different level of, you know, and, and a lot of it comes down to, in many ways, kind of the Kentucky windage that you start you start understanding. You start understanding how things line up and just kind of uh, you become much more in tune with the rifle and how mm-hmm. it and its different little characteristics. Uh, who I think it was uh, Garrett from Rise Armament earlier said that each rifle has a different personality. And mm-hmm. I love that because it's so true. And I feel like once you kind of strip away a lot of the bits that you can add to the rifle, you really get to understand that rifle's, quote, personality. Yeah. Which I think is super cool. Yeah, that is cool. And once you put an optic on, then it's just kind of like, <laughs> I mean, man, way, way better. You go. Way better. <laughs> more accurate, more precise things you want to look for. Yep. I don't know. To draw the old quintessential car reference, it's like, <laughs> here you know, we go. <laughs> you can drive a slow car fast, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and then just it just makes it that much better when you drive a fast car fast. That's what a lot of, a lot of car guys say. Makes sense. That's pretty good from what I've from what I've heard. Ammunition wise, this is another question I wanted to ask you, Cheyenne. Ammunition wise, like when you go to these competitions, are you just grabbing whatever boxes of ammunition you can get on the shelves, or is there a specific kind that you like to use that's maybe a little bit like it cycles better, or it's more precise, or do people just kind of use everything? So most people find whatever they can find, um, and that you know, or they sorry, they use whatever they can find, and that works great. I really like the prime ammunition. That's really good. It's really nice. It's really clean. You know, a lot of people use Fioki. A lot of people use CCI. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and then there are the people that just come out to matches for fun, and they grab, like, the bucket of bullets, you know. And, bucket of bullets. And good old get, thunderbolts. Get their, get their <laughs> grandpa's old rifle out or whatever and go shoot a match for fun. So, you know, you can really you can use whatever you want. Does it seem like basically every range around the country, do most of them have some kind of a rimfire thing to go and do yeah if, if you or was look, it was it was it ever hard for you to find a rimfire challenge to do no it, it wasn't ever a challenge or anything you can actually go on the rimfire challenge association's website and they have a list of all the matches throughout the year you know across the u.s i know there are matches in florida alabama georgia kentucky indiana missouri oklahoma kansas arkansas they're all over the place okay so colorado cool. idaho there's some in California too, no way. which is crazy. I know. There's nothing she's great thing about 22 <laughs> pistols. They <laughs> yeah. top out usually at 10. So yeah. oh yeah, a lot of them are compliant right out of the box. That's yeah. a good point. That's a good point, Mark. This is really seeming like something you should do. I think it is something I should do. I think it's something. Uh, 
like you said, just the accessibility. You know, yeah. you're talking about, oh, you can, you can really go as deep or as shallow as you want into it. And I yeah. think, you know, that's definitely the beauty of it. And like you said, you can start out, yeah. you know, yeah. at point A and certainly end up at point Z. Yeah. Uh, we should totally join Cheyenne and Trent, too, sometime to do a Classifieds Rimfire shooter episode where we just go around and uh, bomb the Classifieds to see if we can do full Rimfire, like, loadout for less than some certain amount. I don't know what it yeah. would be. But you could totally do it, because when you were mentioning, like, Grandpa's old 22 or whatever, yeah. you know? Like, every time you go on to Gun Broker or whatever you see, it's just, like, I always I always go, like, search all guns and then, like, cost low to high just to see, like, what oh, you could right. get for less than 200 bucks or something. You found a couple gems lately. I found a couple gems. I found a uh, legal length, but what looked like a shot, sawed-off shotgun. Uh, <laughs> legal length, promise. Break action, and then what was another one that I found? It wasn't a twenty-two. It was. I don't uh, know. It seemed kind of like oh, an it was a single. Buy, if it I'm was being a, quite honest. It was a single shot six-five Creedmoor from CVA. <laughs> oh, which nice. should be pretty sweet. That's going to go to a grand. That's going to be a classic. But there's twenty-twos all over the place that you can get for less than yeah. two hundred bucks. I forgot to mention there also is a cowboy division, so you can use a lever action and a revolver as oh. well. So. That sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> that does sound fun. I was yeah. just talking to Jerry about making my 617 go fast. That's Smith's 10-shot 22 revolver. Yeah? That's my goal for this summer. What did Jerry say? What, what did he say and about... This is Jerry who, Trent? Uh, Jerry Michalak. <laughs> or however you pronounce it, I've heard it many ways. I've heard him pronounce it a couple different ways. I You've think heard I have pronounced it a couple different ways? In his yes. videos. He doesn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> so I think everything's okay. But what yeah. Did, how did he say, you know, what did he say to make it go fast? Well... In a roundabout way, it's all going to come down to different ammunition with rimfire hmm. because of the way that, because I thought, you know, I could take some material off the steel, take some steel out of the cylinder to lighten the trigger pull as you travel through. He oh, said, okay. It, it's really not going to matter all that much. The biggest thing is the hammer follow. I already tried that. Is that what he said? <laughs> <laughs> no, there were so many things going through his head about trying to come up with one good answer. And he said it, it, it's going to be completely situational on something like that. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing about Rimfire. I think, actually, all of my things have started out on the low end, and I, I can say with confidence almost all of my most expensive guns are Rimfires. And that is for really? the simple reason that those guns are the guns that get shot the most. Sure. So I've yeah. invested the most into them. That's fair. Yeah. They are easy to shoot a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and you can make them absolute tack drivers. So it's, it's fun, it, it's especially bringing it to the range for other people to shoot. It's just that instant confidence of getting an actual hit. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just amazing stuff out there for him. Yeah, even Ian talked about in our ELR podcast, he discussed the fact that, you know, uh, extreme long range is just basically taking any platform out further than you would ordinarily shoot it. And, you know, there's people who have taken rimfires out to five, six, seven hundred yards, which is insanity, essentially, um, but super cool. Yeah. Cheyenne, you going to do that with this new uh, you know what? flicky wrist thing? <laughs> I'll try it, I guess. I'll need some help, probably. But I'll have to. You, yeah. talk, you know the muck, Ryan Muckenhern. Yeah, yeah. I He's done him. that. He did some kind of a thing with a twenty-two. Didn't you shoot that out to five hundred yards? <sighs> yeah, I think those guys did. They got that that Buffalo League. I know. Mm-hmm. Up at up at the range, and I think that's like I thought that that was four hundred. But I, I, he's probably stretched it. Oh, okay. Five fifty is the silhouette range there. Five fifty on the silhouettes there. Is yeah. that where they do that other one? Yeah. He knows Trent, everything. I was just going to say, Trent knows more about the range. Don't talk to me anymore. Okay. Just ask Trent. <laughs> All right. <laughs> when are they going to do, or is there a thing, 
where you incorporate like a 410 shotgun? You know, I don't, I don't know. There might already be something kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, no, no. I think there's, I know there are some matches that you can, they're almost, well, it's like a three gun match, but you, your kid can shoot it and you, they can use like a 22 rifle and pistol and then like a 410 shotgun. Oh, okay. I have seen that somewhere before, but yeah. um, I don't think there's any plans for that. Like. Within the Rim Fair Challenge Shooting Association anytime soon. So yeah. my 22 over 410 isn't going to cut it for that then? No. A little slow? It'd be Sorry. a real quick transition. <laughs> you wouldn't have to put down one gun and pick up another. Your reloads. The reloads is where you're going <laughs> to, on the other hand, will really kill you. Yeah. In SAS, you could use a 410. In what now? In SAS competition. Oh, SAS. right. Single action shooting. Uh, I'm blanking on the other end. Isn't it? it? That's like the cowboy. Yeah, cowboy, cowboy action stuff. shooting. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Winchester used to have that lever action 410. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Lever action 410. Need. <laughs> yes. You'll find it. We'll find it. Gunbroker. Gunbroker <laughs> will find it for us. So, yeah. Like, what do you think is, what's your favorite part do you think about Rimfire? I really love shooting the pistol part of it. That's oh, yeah, you mentioned that earlier. It's your, the pistol's your favorite, yeah, right? Yeah, pistol is my favorite. But I actually just love to hang out on the range. Um, I've made a lot of great friends through Rimfire Challenge. Actually, my friend Colby Pavlock, he has won the Rimfire World Championship. I think he won it for his fourth time in a row this year, or 2018. So that was super cool. We're like nice. BFFs now. And yeah. anyway, it's super fun to hang out with everybody. For sure, yeah. yeah. The camaraderie aspect of competition yeah. shooting is, is hard to beat. Yeah, it really is. Have you experienced in your shooting career, I mean, being like a young female, like any opposition from people or faced any challenges that way? Like, oh, you, sh you know, you shouldn't be doing that or anything. So actually, I've only had a couple of instances. <laughs> I was actually shooting this local USPSA match. And there's this guy, you know, he doesn't really like it that girls shoot in competitively. And he, I was behind, I was standing behind him and he didn't know I was there. And I heard him say, women can't shoot as fast because their brains can't process what's happening as quickly. Really? And you know what's funny is I beat him that day. So, just, you know. Just <laughs> stomping salty mustaches into the ground. That is it, was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> well, because That's the, a quote right there. <laughs> stomping salty mustaches <laughs> into the ground. <laughs> Quote for Write sure. Write it down. I'm gonna just timestamp this if I could. Uh, MC Ryan, I don't know how to timestamp it. We'll find it. <laughs> a very, very modern, very modern thinker there. Yeah, I mean because you know the thought has to transfer from the brain all the way down to the tail and then back <laughs> up to the brain. Yeah, but Jeez Louise. I don't know. You know that guy. He has said some. He said other things, kind of like that before, yeah. and I just don't let it bother me because who cares? That's his opinion and. It doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't matter what, they, what he thinks. No. True. I think you've obviously yeah, proven, proven people otherwise. True. Has any of that happened as far as, like, so, as far as just the youth aspect? Do you ever feel like people when there's, like, a bunch of... I would hope not, because this would be, like, so just counterintuitive to, like, everything in our industry. But do you ever find people where they're like, ah, a bunch of ankle biters, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. There are older, older people within, especially Rimfire, that don't really like uh, the kids being there. 
because you know yeah. they like to have fun in between stages and not just stand there and be oh, grumpy sure, the yeah. whole time. Yeah, I mean uh, it's like you're not a kid if you're not trying to get in trouble at some point. You know, right. it's like as long as they're being safe. Yeah, you know? right. As long as you're being safe. But yeah, how do, how dare you enjoy yourself? You know, and that is unf- you know I mean like God, I feel like I'm just bringing it down a notch with the negativity here. But I mean that's just that oh, is please bring it down yeah. even more. <laughs> I mean you guys look like you're having a good time, and I just didn't care for that. Um, <laughs> but I mean you talk about a point in society where we need to be embracing the youth and these new shooters and making oh, these yeah. events, you know, fun for them. Yeah, that, that's actually, I, I, w- I actually wouldn't have thought that would you'd run into that. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of what we talked about a while back regarding hunting, actually, sure. which is the kind of like the, hey, that's my spot uh, mindset or this, um, you know, we need more hunters. Hunter recruitment is lower than ever. And then it's like more people start hunting, more people start hitting up public land spots. And it's like, you're in my spot. Get out. There's too many people, too much pressure. And it's like, do you want more hunters or do you just kind of like, not want more. I, I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Cause Jim, we've covered this. We want we more hunters, just not in my spot. No, exactly. <laughs> You're right. And so it's like sometimes I wonder, are some like some shooters and stuff like that, it's like, do you want more shooters or do you like the idea that the industry which you take part in will have, will ha- be strong enough to like prolong yeah. throughout whatever time? It's kind of like, you might not actually want more shooters. You right. Know? It's, it's sad because... You know, I think about, I think women play a big part in the shooting sports because, you know, or young girls especially, because they'll grow up mm. to be moms. And I think a mom has a lot to say with what goes on in the household. You know, so if the mom's not okay with guns and more than likely they're not going to be, the dad's not going to be able to be like, oh, hey kids, let's go shooting. But if the mom's cool with that, then, you know, they can go learn how to shoot the kids and, you know, keep keep it going. But... I, me. I have heard that before, and I guess I don't have any data to back it up other than hearing it. But, you know, people say, you know, if the mom shoots or if the mom hunts, mm-hmm. like, the family's going to shoot. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Which is a good thing. So let's get some more moms out there. Yeah. True that. And hunting. For sure. Right. And then if you're one of the people who are like, oh, man, we need more shooters. <laughs> I'm super nervous that come Three years from now, there'll be no shooters. It's like, okay, well, then when more shooters show up to the range, try and help them out. Yeah. Again, that's so true. Like, like so many people, they get involved in the sport of shooting, and they do it because they love it, and mm-hmm. they do it because they think it's fun. And I get that. You know, it's like sometimes you work all week, you hit the range on the weekend, you know, there's a bunch of people there or whatever. Somebody's, you know, like it's, it's hard to get in there and do as much shooting as you want. But it's like if you really, really enjoy shooting – and you really want the industry and the lifestyle and the culture of shooting, especially in America here, to prolong. Why not? I, I've always enjoyed it when I, you know, I've, I've been a, a noob to hunting and shooting in the past myself. And it's like, I've always enjoyed it when somebody goes up and they're kind of like, like, I know they're taking their free time. They could be shooting and bringing steel, which is super fun. But instead they go over and they're kind of like, oh, hey, you know, like, what you got there? What gun you got? Oh, that's super cool. Like, hey, here's yeah. some tips or whatever. I ask them a question. They don't ask, don't act like I just, you know, wasted their entire day for asking them a 30-second question. Yeah, one of my favorite things is to watch, like, a younger kid out at the range for, like, their first their first time shooting a gun or at their first match. I love to let them, like, shoot my guns and watch their faces. And just it's so fun for me to kind of be, I guess, kind of be a figure and help the younger kids get into the sport, so... It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's super cool. What do they think when they shoot your 
awesome guns. Um, they think they're pretty. They're pretty cool. What do their parents think when they shoot? Um, your awesome the parents. Gun? I mean, they like it, but they don't really like the price tag yeah. that comes along with it. So. <laughs> well, that Cheyenne girls over there are making me spend a fortune. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, man. You know, another question: Is it difficult to? Because I mean, you definitely seem like a role model and an ambassador to the shooting sports, and and it does seems like you see it does seems Jim, uh, <laughs> yep. In the in the media at times, like you know, people are trying to you, you know shield or you, you know kids from firearms, mm-hmm. and you know firearms are bad, and you know kids shouldn't have guns. Have you? encountered that or, or have you had any successes in kind of breaking down those barriers to where you've been able to educate maybe a family that wasn't a shooting family mm-hmm. but then kind of maybe became familiar or comfortable with firearms yeah actually um a couple families that's happened uh to me with at rimfire matches a few years ago they weren't really sure about guns and you know they didn't really know anything about it they didn't know what to expect but they came to watch a match anyway and it was super cool to talk to them. And the funny thing is now they're both competing. Nice. So, yeah, it's super cool to be able to, like, watch that happen and kind of, you know, know that you kind of played a part in changing, helping change their mind and opening their eyes to the fact that, like, guns aren't bad, you know. Yeah. Guns, guns can be fine. You can be safe with them. So. Yeah. It's very similar, and especially with Rimfire, it's very similar to, like, what we talked about in our Suppressors podcast, you know, Why Suppressed? And you get a new shooter out there. And a lot of times, like, people's hang-up in their head with shooting, I th- a lot of it comes down to the noise. Yeah. You know, right. noise is huge. And 22s aren't that loud to begin with, too. Mm-hmm. Even even when they're not suppressed, even though they should be still wearing ear pro. You know, but a- another big part of it is everybody, for some reason, their head gets this idea. Everybody, like, anytime I've handed a gun over to somebody, uh, even some people who have shot before, they're kind of like, what's the kick like? And it's like, <laughs> well, I don't you know, I don't know. It, it, it just kicks like a gun. It just, you know. Right. Yeah. But that is a little bit of like a mental hang-up for some people, and they just think that these things are violent. They're just, yeah. you know, thrashing, and they're loud, and they're, you know, they're out of control, you know. I watched on YouTube one time a lady shot a shotgun, and it flew out of the back. You know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> okay. I agree. The noise thing is a big deal. I think um, taking, like, a brand-new shooter to an indoor range, in my opinion, is personally not the best idea because mm-hmm. indoor ranges are just always so loud. Right. You know, I think if you could you know, have them shoot outside first. That might help some. But. Right, that's a good point. Yeah, and then when you shoot a rimfire, too, and it's like you get behind it and you pull the trigger, and it's just kind of like, I mean, it's just like a nice little tap. I yeah. mean, really, it, that can totally, I've seen people's minds, like, you could, like, on their face, you mm-hmm. can see their mind, like, change, and you can almost see their shoulders drop, like, three clicks, yeah. too, because it's yeah. like, okay, like, I oh, can relax. So this isn't going to hurt me. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're bracing yourself, you know, for that first one, and you realize, oh, that's not so bad. Mm-hmm. Side note on a off tangent but on tangent topic: If you're shooting rimfire for like precision and stuff, then you're probably not flinching. Does that help reduce or get rid of a flinch for when you're shooting regular big guns? I don't know. Question. Interesting. To toss I out would there. say building that foundation with a rimfire. I have a rimfire conversion for almost every caliber for that very reason. Fatten is way cheaper to shoot. Yeah. So getting more trigger time, things like that, but especially for new shooters, mm-hmm. like you see all those videos on the internet, and it only is going to take that one shot from somebody giving someone just a high-powered shotgun with terrible stance or maybe something that doesn't fit them, and mm-hmm. that's going to be it. They're off guns for life. Oh, from yeah. That one, well, that-, that one experience, and then they are going to influence multiple people from that one 
one experience. It's a good point. It's so, like that guy who wrote that article a while back where he shot an AR-15 in a range <laughs> and he said he gave him PTSD. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, man. <laughs> I think he's off guns for life. <laughs> he probably is. I think he's they also... They tried to convince a lot of people to be off guns for life with that one. That yes. they did, and I backfired. But yeah, you know, it's a lot more forgiving. You don't you don't have that potential one shot where it's like, ooh, I wasn't lined up behind the rifle rider. Ooh, I was prone behind something with a, a little bit more recoil and it wasn't tucked in my shoulder right and it really hurt. You know, you can kind of like, you can work on that form, I'm sure, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot more. Yeah. And it's a lot more forgiving. And you could shoot it a heck of a lot more. Mm-hmm. Practice is always going to be, always going to be number one mm-hmm. for shooting techniques and things like that. Now, your, your Volkortsen gun, the mm-hmm. rifle, yeah. is more of a traditional style stocked rifle, yes. right? So if you if you looked at it from from far or whatever, like it would have the similar kind of a an outline or silhouette yeah. to it as like a 1022, right? Yeah. I have a uh, Hogue overmolded stock, so. Okay. Yep. So have you played around much with like 22 conversion ARs as far as, you know, do I've heard people use those as training tools for regular, like, two, two, three, five, five, uh-huh. six ARs. Is, is that a thing for you? Have you gotten into that much? No, I've never really done that. Um, actually, some people do shoot the AR style in the Rimfire Challenge competition, okay. but I've never really gotten into that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I've always been curious about it because it was, like, MNP 15, tw- or MNP 15, 22, XYZ, mm-hmm. ABC, up and down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've always seen those, you know, and some people are like, oh, it's it's great AR training. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it. For some people, it probably is. Yeah. But I think it would have to be, and particularly, you know, you're looking at shooting at a lot of probably similar distances, I would think. Well, yeah. the great thing is, with that kind of training, you can bring those distances in a lot closer and mm-hmm. still have that challenge. Sure. Yeah. So shooting a 22 at 100 yards out of the AR platform to stretch it out to, like, Something similar in 308, you're probably talking out to almost 800 yards to see the same in wind drift. Right. So things like that and being able to read the wind, that's what makes rimfire really challenging. Yeah. And the targets are usually pretty small too, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. You got, I mean, I know that some of those like precision ones, they shoot aspirin size targets. Yeah. What size are the ones in like rimfire challenge, um, pistol and rifle and stuff? About like six inches is the average, I'd yeah, say. Okay. I mean, some are four, some are eight. Some yeah. are big, big rectangles, like 12 by 24, I think. Okay. Or, yeah. So, I mean, there's all sizes. I even shot a match where there were, like, uh, there was, like, a moon-shaped one, and there were some animal-shaped targets. But oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would have to develop some skill. But then, like you said, too, <laughs> things like wind drift and stuff, like how the how the how how a twenty two caliber bullet, and especially one that's coming out of a twenty two LR, how it's being affected over the course of just zero to 100 yards it's going to get it's going to help you understand how ballistics and how wind and all that works for larger calibers at more extended ranges. Yep. So, hmm. but it it's an amazing tool for people who don't have those 1000 1000 yard ranges. You can yeah. still really challenge yourself at 100 yards. Yeah. You get a 10 mile an hour wind, a crosswind with a 22 and you're going to see quite a bit of drift. Yeah. I'm getting more and more I like I'm my shopping cart, my internal, my brain's shopping cart is 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 being added. I was to. gonna bring just my rim fires down before we left to shoot, but I didn't know if it would be you know, on too on the nose, I guess. But next time I come down, please you can do. try out my AR twenty two and please my other do. ones. Please do, indeed. And maybe if you come at the same time Cheyenne's there, we can just try out a there whole boatload of twenty. And by that time, yeah. my Valcourt's and rifle might be done. So nice. could be frenzies on that one. <laughs> frenzies for sure well shoot rimfire sounds awesome shan did we miss anything that you want to tell 
the people about Rimfire? You know, or like any big, big important aspects to it? Um, I don't know. I always recommend, you know, if, if you're new to shooting sports, going out and watching at least a match or two before you decide, you know, like to go out and buy a whole bunch of gear. Because you can kind of, you can ask a ton of questions. You can kind of see what everyone else is doing. You can, I mean, if you just have questions about the sport in general, everyone within the shooting sports, are, they're so nice and they just want to help generally, you know, except for the old crotchety guys sometimes, oh, right. yeah. you know, <laughs> them. but, but most, most of the time they want more people involved. So they want to help you out. They want to, they want you to ask questions, you know? And so, yeah, I just say, go watch a couple matches and observe and then go from there. Good deal. Oh, here's what I got to ask one more question too, before we jump into these last calls, optic choices mm-hmm. on rim fires. So walk us through like pistol optic choices, the rifle optic choices, uh, maybe you and or Trent could talk about some of the more precision optic, precision at quote long range or whatever for rimfire or NRL optic choices. What kind of stuff are people looking at for those? Yeah, so I use the Venom and Viper red dots on both my pistol and rifle. Um, oh, okay. The oh, okay. little open top red dots? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I use for rimfire challenge, but do Sweet. you like six MOA or three MOA on your dots? Um, I like the six. Okay. Yeah. So you don't need that pinpoint three MOA, no. just the larger, yeah. because it's it's speed oriented, yeah. right? Yeah. And the targets are small enough and probably close enough, or a, yeah. a good enough size and at a close enough distance that six MOA hardly right. covers up anything. Yeah. No. That's what I use. That's what I like. Okay. Yeah. He should probably talk about the scopes <laughs> for the long range <laughs> stuff, though. Yeah, I was just curious about the dots because it, it's it's really. From person to person on whether you pick three or six. Yeah. I always pick three because my vision used to be just atrocious. And astigmatism. So I'd always have that starburst effect, mm. effect. So I would always end up with a three MOA dot because I would always see it imperfectly. It would just starburst to six MOA? Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. So it's just it's just the way some some people see those things. Yeah. So it's just and you prefer the open top ones, too, over like a closed tube, like a crossfire red yeah. dot because they just, they just... I can see the targets as I'm moving across Easier more to easily. transition. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because I shoot with both both eyes open, so right I can like see what's coming. You know, right that dot with an open top, that dot almost just floats out there. Just yeah, you know, yeah, everything else disappears. Absolutely, I bet that'd be pretty quick and a lot of fun. It is. Trent, crossfire dot would be a good one for bullseye type shooting in rimfire. Yeah. What is bullseye? <laughs> <laughs> so, Buckle up, Jim. <laughs> we're about to get a mind train. To put it very simply, it is precision one-handed shooting in most cases. One-handed. You'd have, there's different types of bullseye, so we, we won't go into that, but you are <laughs> shooting at a stationary target while standing on a, on a time clock. Similar to which, if you ever watch the Olympics, most of what you're going to see is going to be very similar to the Olympic-style air pistol and rimfire pistol in bullseye shooting, except okay. you'd have optics instead of opens. Okay. Or you you would have both, but it, it's similar. You're freestanding, and one-handed is usually, and some of them now are going to two. But you know, Why the crossfire, then? It basically puts a circle inside a circle, so it gives you a reference point and a secondary hold point. Oh. So basically being able to uh, not only find the center of a target, but to center the entire target itself inside of that skull. Well, it's kind of like the Spitfire AR, how it has that yes. circle ring, or That's like the, the Huey has the circle yeah. and the dot in the middle. Yep. Huh. Gives you a lot of reference points without having to staring at too many. I never thought of that. Yeah. There's an Olympic rimfire? Yes. Cheyenne, are you wow. going to be in the Olympics someday? Uh, You know what? 
I don't know. Never can tell. Is it like a Probably vote? Probably not. <laughs> is it like a vote in for the Olympics? Can I cast my vote into the oh Olympic committee goodness. for Cheyenne to be I'm, in the... I'm pretty sure they have a suggestion box. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe if everybody listening right now on the podcast puts in a suggestion to the Olympic committee for Cheyenne Dalt to be in the Olympic Rimfire Challenger competition, maybe we'll vote her in. It'd be like American Idol. Or maybe we text. just you can text in to we some just number. Vote like, yes. into the Olympic committee that we add more action shooting sports into the oh. Olympics. Truth, I think we'd be better off that route. That'd be pretty That's cool. Good. And also vote to whoever airs the Olympics to put more on TV. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I like to think they're listening right now. <laughs> I like to think that as well. So, okay, what do we got? We got more action sports, more TV with shooting in it, and Cheyenne Dalton in the oh Olympics. Yep, more Cheyenne. Yep. So <laughs> write that down, everybody. Send it to whoever you need to send it to. Text that to Brian Seacrest. <laughs> at olympics.org. <laughs> Ryan, yes, Ryan Seacrest at Olympics. We're not mixing anything. Ryan right Seacrest says Cheyenne Dalton should be in the Olympics. There you have it. Wow. Where were we? Oh, scopes for precision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> scopes for precision rimfire. The biggest thing when it comes to rim, rimfire is going to be parallax adjustment. That's number. So it seems like everybody's always asking that's, about. That's, I would say that's number one where you can still get high magnification at a close range and still see both your crosshairs and your target clearly. First focal plane or second focal plane? You could get away with either, uh, depending on what your game is. But yeah. I think probably the Diamondback tactical on that first focal plane. That's what I have on both my precision trainers, and it's phenomenal. Huh. I mean, you can so go what do you need 20. That, what do you need that parallax to go down to, ideally? Yeah, like what's the I'd threshold? say 25 yards minimum. Min. Okay. Uh, if you're going to do really high-powered stuff, um, many of the rimfire-specific scopes are going to be dialed in at 50 yards, which is usually okay um, in like a 3x9 or a 4x12. But if you're stepping up to something where you're really going up to 20 plus, you're probably going to, you're going to want it down to 25 at least, I would think. I yeah. think. And that Diamondback is getting you down to 10 or, or closer. Right. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I've heard some people too, when you bring up the first focal plane thing, like I've suggested that scope, they're like, man, that reticle is going to get huge. It's like tiny Elvis. <laughs> hey, man, that tiny reticle Elvis. is huge. Oh, man, I'd never be able to use a reticle that big. That thing is huge. <laughs> right, and they, I think they think that, like, oh, my gosh, the reticle is going to be gargantuan in proportion to the to the target. But it's actually not because when you zoom in, the target gets bigger, too, and the yeah. reticle gets so it's everything's the same, you know. Right. That's right, tiny E. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope somebody out there knows what we're referencing. If you, yeah, if you know what we're talking about, comment. High five emojis. Cool. All right. So what do you say we jump into some last calls? Yes. Now, this is Cheyenne's this second go-around. Did, Cheyenne's, we even, did we wait, even did, have, did we last, have calls? last calls when you last did I don't, I don't remember. I don't think so. I don't think so either. So you're going to have to explain this to me. Because I remember that it was all just so chaotic, and it was I didn't and have Mark there, so I was really nervous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, were, you were in a storage room. Right. And then Trent, you've... Listen to a number I, of podcasts. I know the gist. You, you know how it goes. Yep. Okay, uh, but Cheyenne, uh, essentially, we just we just bring it in for a landing. So, okay. uh, as I tell many people, and as uh, Napoleon Dynamite himself would say, just follow your heart, whatever you're okay. feeling. Uh, we'll let you close it out too, because uh, our guests always do a phenomenal job, and Mark and I kind of suck. So, uh, <laughs> Mark, let's try and not defer this time. I'm not going to defer. I'm not going to defer either. Should so, I go? So yeah, you go. All right, wait, I'll go. You go. No, you go. I'm going to go. Okay, go. All right, so this is kind of an observation, but I I feel like it's very common. Like, I know for myself, 
Like I started, like my first introduction to firearms was shooting a 22 rimfire. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's you know a lot of people's introduction. What I think is interesting is it seems like over time, at least I know even for myself, like you kind of graduate. You're like, okay, that's cool. You know, enough of these uh, reindeer games. I'm going to go on to bigger and better things. All right. You know, uh, and that even goes like even from a hunting perspective. It's like you start out with a 22. Maybe you're doing some small game stuff and you're like, okay, now I'm going to start hunting deer. And I know myself, I live a very uh, big game centric life. But what I see happening, I feel like I'm seeing maybe not like a, a shift, but at least some movement kind of coming full circle on that. So you see, I feel like small game is kind of uh, catching on again and kind of getting uh, rekindled in the hunting community. And a lot of it is because you can do it. The seasons are liberal. The seasons are long. You don't have to plan a week around going to do it. Yeah. You can get more opportunities at taking game and hunting game, you know, where you get you get the chance at one elk. You know, you might get the chance at, like, two, three, four squirrels. Exactly. You, and you can do it before work, after work. Maybe it's an easy Saturday, something like that. You're getting some great meat for the pot. And I guess similarly, you know, even just competitive shooting, right, or, or shooting in general, recreational shooting, whatever you want to call it, or whatever the application, you know, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I started with the 22, but now I'm doing this, this, and this, and this. And I think it's really cool to see some of these, I guess, activities getting a little, uh, some attention or even developing or new activities or kind of breathing new life into them. And I think a lot of it, whether it's the small game or the shooting, revolves around the fact that it's fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There. That's what I had to say about that. You know, that's kind of like another car reference I can draw, which is, you know, everybody starts out with, I, my dad, I look back at my dad, he got cool little Honda CB350 uh, when he was in high school at a motorcycle. I mean, he also had, I don't remember, his first car or something like that. But then he you know, he got older, and he got, you know, like adult cars and things of that nature. And now that he's older, he's going back to, he got a Honda CB350, just like he had in high school. And he, <laughs> you know, he's, like, getting some of these old things. The difference between cars and, in this case, rimfire shooting, is that when he got the old Honda CB350 and an old uh, classic car, just like he used to have in high school and uh, in college, uh, he realized, wow, it's amazing how much time has uh, evolved cars and uh, these are a total pain in the butt and uh, actually grown-up cars are a lot easier <laughs> to, to work on and to, and to live with. Uh, so um, my analogy, if you take anything away from that, uh, was terrible. Rimfire really fell apart at the seams there. Uh, yeah. Is no, in, in, in no indication of how Rimfire goes. Uh, okay, so try and uh, resurrect this last call here. <laughs> when I have kids someday, they're going to do Rimfire for sure. I'm kind of wondering too, like you know, I feel like I've seen, I'm trying to think in my head, like, do I get them the Walmart 22 or do I get them the full quartz and 22 to start? And I can't help but think I get them the Walmart 22 to start. Yeah. I think that's the way to go. Mine was cool. It had like this purple stock, like purple wooden stock. Ooh, that is yeah, fantastic. Nice. <laughs> Man, sounds like a, was it like a Walmart special yeah, edition? Just I don't know. Do it you just, still have it? I still have it. Actually, I shot it. Two years ago, and I won the limited ladies championship with it too. I just ah oh, yeah, I'll go back to this <laughs> old thing and just <laughs> one. No, it was it was fun. It's, it's I bet yeah, it's cool. Jim, I, I feel I'm trying to think too of like the age to start them at. I'm like I it, think that depends. I'm it depends on, their on the maturity, kid. Yeah, it depends on the kid. Yeah, and I agree with you there because I was like I was in my head I was kind of like yeah, like six, eight, ten, but then I was like, what if the kid's a total ding dong? <laughs> You know, and it's like, 
Which knowing me, unless they're like their mom, then you know, which I don't even have kids yet. So all these kids are hypothetical. A lot of speculation. There's so going many hypothetical on here. ankle biters running around right now in my head. I think you'll know. You'll know. I, I feel like you will know. My yeah. little brother's eight and he didn't ask to shoot a gun until this past weekend on Easter. Yeah. So yeah, my dad actually bought him um, a little cricket a long time ago. Cool guns. Yep, and he finally got to shoot it and he wanted to do it, so you know, he took him out back behind the house and, you know, taught him all the safety stuff. And there yeah. he was doing that. So That's great. There you go. Yeah. Well, if they're anything like me, five won't be the age. Because my dad got me my first knife at five. And I immediately, <gasps> within the first 20 minutes, sliced my finger really <laughs> bad. I still have the scar. Side tangent. 20 years later. <laughs> Cricket now makes one that looks like the Accuracy International chassis. No way. 22. You're kidding. Yes. No way. It's phenomenal. If I, if Some I, if just I was like a kid right now, that is 100% what I would get. Some kid could look just like his dad or mom with some... Big fancy gun. Yep, and it's got a fixed four-powered optic on top already, too. Well. Uh, well, we can always change that. Exactly. <laughs> it needs to be changed, but <laughs> besides the point. Sorry. Okay, so um, I don't know if anybody got anything for my last call, but let's move to Trent. Well, you know what? Hold on. I'm going to add something to your last <laughs> okay. call. All right, sure. So I feel you talked about, like, which one to start them with. Now, I think you definitely want to start them with something good enough that they're going to have a positive experience. Right. However, so, like, my little badger break action made out of wire and, like, pot metal, probably not. Maybe not the one. Okay. But I'd say you can never – I feel like you can't appreciate the finer things in life unless you've used – I was going to use a different word – the not finer things in life. Yes. The stock things in life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So – no, you're right. You're right. I think it. I think. Uh, I think that's a helpful yeah. in your human development. Yeah, you'll never appreciate the silver spoon unless you put the rusty spoon in your mouth. Exactly. <laughs> but then you get tetanus. But hopefully you have a shot. And yeah. on to Trent. <laughs> All right. I guess my last call for rimfire would be: it, it's something that everybody should have. I think it's something that everyone should start out on. I think as far as the shooting sports go, it's the most inclusive shooting sport you can get into just because of the price point it's it's a great family event it's something you could actually watch um, you can actually watch which is quite a bit different than a lot of the action shooting sports where you have large terrain things like that you could have people sit in a safe area and just remain there and just enjoy the day and it's just an awesome an awesome crowd of rimfire shooters and i can't say enough about rimfire stuff i People usually go up higher in caliber as they get older. I, I just love shooting the 22s more than anything. It, bu- it builds a foundation of finer shooting, and, of course, it is cheap to shoot. So getting better shooting, shooting cheaper, that's the best things about rimfire. Wow, that was good. Also, for a second, I almost thought that was Ryan Munkenhern speaking. I think I was talking <laughs> to him too late last night because I feel like I'm I'm his, I'm with his spirit at the moment. Yeah, I've I've noticed that throughout this week as we've uh, woven Trent into into the fabric of Vortex, but he is very Similar. very Munkenhern esque. Yeah, and I like that about him. It's a little bit of a bromance. <laughs> uh, Cheyenne, I don't know. Trent kind of took everything and. He worded it very well. Trent. You know, like he said, it's a great family. It's a great family event. And that's right. You can sit there and you can watch it. And the one thing um, that I've noticed is everyone kind of cheers each other on at Rimfire Challenge. So it's it's super supportive. Um, I mean, everyone's competing against each other, but, you know, they're not just going to stand there and be like, oh, that was a good run. You know, like they're going to they're going to be like, oh, man, that was awesome. You know, keep up the good work. So. Cool. Again, I think that's just a really great place to start, and I always go back to it. So 
Yeah. Oh, and let's real quick too before we close out. You this coming year are going to be doing uh, collegiate shooting. Yeah, right? yeah. Tell the listeners about that real quick because I think that's pretty sweet. Okay. Not, not a lot of people know about that. All right. So yeah, I got a Fulbright scholarship to ch- to shoot trap, ski, and sporting clays at Missouri Valley College. Did um, you hear that, parents? Free school for being good at yeah. shooting. So yeah, yes. I'm going to study marketing, and we'll see where that goes. Huh. Fantastic. <laughs> yes, you can shoot. In college for a scholarship. That's so cool. Yeah, it is cool. Wow. Yeah, it was kind of funny. When I first started shooting, I really did it for fun, just kind of to relax, um, you know, from every day, I guess. And then it's kind of, it's grown and grown and turned into this big thing. And now I got a full ride to go to school. So that's awesome. It's yeah. taken me so many places that I didn't think it would. But Really cool. Next yeah. up, the Olympics. Ryan Seacrest, hopefully <laughs> you're listening. Also, Mark, last thing, I promise is the last thing too. We should do a Vortex Extreme Rimfire. Get those aspirins out at 100 yards, son. It's How about cool to get would lit. that be? <laughs> It'd be really cool. Like a Rimfire division. And then, like, you know, closer targets, but really small, really kind of difficult or whatever, you know, like a Rimfire division. Maybe maybe some uh, some more younger competitors will come out. It'd be awesome. I think we need to we need to put this Let's in the Let's explore this idea. Let's put this in our own suggestion box. Exactly. I don't know if this will happen for 2019, you know, that, that might be difficult, right? Cuz right. we're already getting close up on the on the main one. But but would you guys run it Trent Cheyenne? Yeah, that would oh, be cool. Oh yeah, I'd be in for sure. Rock on. If you I like would it. if you would do it and you're listening right now, if you're still listening amongst all my complete rambling. <laughs> if us, you've made it this let, far, let us know. We commend you. Cool. All right. Cheyenne, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Cheyenne is also a trailblazer. There's a really cool video about her on Facebook and YouTube and stuff. Trent, honorary Vortex team member for the for the weekend here. Thank you very much as well. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, go shoot some Rimfire stuff. On that note, happy hunting and shooting. Goodbye. Goodbye. All right. That'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hit that subscribe button so you can always stay up to date on the latest happenings over here at the Vortex Nation podcast. Leave us a review or comment down below. We want to hear what you have to say about the show, maybe what you like, maybe what you didn't like, so that way we can make these podcasts as good as they can be. You can also follow us on Instagram at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'll be posting about each episode released, so that way you can go back, find these things, Maybe grab a little nugget of information that you could take with you to the range, out in the field, or uh, maybe to the kitchen if we're talking about some good food. So, again, everybody, thanks, and happy hunting and shooting. We appreciate it. Have a good one.